Hi! Welcome to Piloting. I'm Melissa. And I'm Renee. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. Well, Renee, how are you today? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? Good. Giggly. You're on brand. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. um, It's been a bit of a champagne day, which is good. (laughs) It's a a holiday, so it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I have to go back to the real world of working tomorrow, even though technically I did have – So I was just getting off of my PTO. I did work a Friday, which I actually really recommend. Like if you take time off and then I just had like that Friday as a buffer Mm -hmm. before, quote, a real work day, I recommend it. It was actually one of the most like productive, more productive work days I've had because it's minimal meetings, at least for for my company, very minimal meetings on Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone pretty much already started their, their holiday you know, July 4th. And then yeah, I was actually be able to get stuff done. And uh, as I've heard this past weekend, get out of email jail. Email jail. I know. New term. There's so many buzzwords in like the world of work. I know. Email uh, jail. A, a Gen Xer, a little, a little boomer shared that with – oh, not a boomer. Sorry. <laughs> not a boomer. A You're Gen Xer. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> Oh, oh, my, I know. I have never heard that before, but I know exactly what you're talking about because I have been a prisoner to email more than once. As soon as you said once. it, I'm like, that is the perfect way to explain it. Email jail, and it rhymes. It's cute. I like that. That's so mark. <laughs> that's very marketable. <laughs> email jail. Um, I've been good. I haven't been on PTO, but I am recording from Spain. I'm ah. in. The Costa del Sol, uh, kind of throwback to our Why We Love Remote Work episode. Uh, for reasons like this, I have been working remotely, working my usual like US work hours, and I'm just loving it. I can go to the beach in the mornings or have like a leisurely morning before I kick off my work day. This schedule actually works really nice for me because I do well when I start my day for myself. Um, I I heard someone Mm. say this like a year or two ago, and it's always stuck with me that the best days are when you don't start your day giving something to someone else. Like you don't just start rolling out of bed and like clocking in for someone else or Mm. giving, you know, so it's taking that moment. And so sometimes I'm okay, you know, at home of like, I wake up, I get a morning workout in and maybe a meditation if I'm doing really well, but it's not always that consistent because I'm not a morning person. So being in Europe, but working US hours, I don't start my workday till the afternoon. So I have tons of time for myself to kind of check in, do what I need to I do. Like that. And I, I get to start my day for myself and just bring a lot of energy, not just positivity, but also just mm-hmm. like pro- like output wise, like my energy levels peak later in the day. I'm I'm more of a night owl. So I think they're actually getting some of my best work also. So it's really, it's really good. So should you just live in Europe? Question mark. I know. So I'm basically (laughs) moving to Spain. (laughs) No, no, I'll be back. That's not, it's not happening yet. But I am excited because a special guest is visiting me in Spain next week. Oh, who's that? Who's that be? (laughs) 
Who could that be? It's Elle. <laughs> yeah, Melissa, you're visiting me. And I'm I'm so excited. I love, like, I've gotten used to traveling alone. And it's funny, the reason I picked, I'm in Malaga, I'm like the Costa del Sol. I had planned to do this trip as my first, like, big girl solo trip for a milestone birthday in mm. 2020. Um, we all know what <laughs> happened that year. Swamp. So. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, and I've since done a lot of things by myself <laughs> in those past years. But like, I wanted to come back for that reason. So it's been nice to have that experience. But I'm also really excited to have you join me next yeah, week. Yeah, I basically just like play. interjected myself into your trip. Oh my God. As you should. As you should. If I, I was, was like- slow to invite you, that is on me. <laughs> like, I'm glad that you are coming. <laughs> but yes. Surprise. <laughs> Next week I'll be in um I'll be in Spain as well, which is perfect for our topic of the week because we're talking about living abroad. Um and not plot twist, but surprise, like that's the that Spain is the place that I got to experience living abroad. And so pretty full circle. Like mm-hmm. I, I did this back in 2014, and then now you're visiting. Spain or your your quote to living in Spain for a month. I I call it living. Like you're literally probably having to cook some meals for yourself while you're there, not eating mm-hmm. out all the time. Um, so I consider it living. And uh, full circle, now I get to experience a new town. I have n- I've never been to Malaga, so I'm really excited to experience that with you. Yeah, me too. So on this topic of living abroad, like you said, we've both done it for, you know, different lengths of time. I guess taking a step back, what, like, why did you want to live abroad? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you might have mentioned before, like that, where you were in that time period of your life, mm-hmm. but also what is it about living in another country that appealed to you? Like, why didn't you take that moment of reflection or wherever, you know, however you want to describe it and do something else. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we definitely talked about this a few episodes ago. And for my timing, I did not study abroad in college. And if I had regrets, that would probably err on the side of a regret. And so when I graduated college, I was extremely burnt out. I got a job because I felt like I was supposed to Um, and then what prompted me was one of my cousins, she, she taught, she did a program called TT Madrid and it was teaching English as a foreign language. Um, so, so she did the TEFL program and we, she, she actually planted the idea in my head and we were thinking about doing it together. And I said, oh my gosh, this would be so great. You know? I don't have to be in a country all by myself. Like I would go with my my cousin and someone who like I was really good friends with back then. Um, but then our timing just didn't work out. So I ended up going a year later and um, all is well because she ended up having her own experience and I ended up having my own too. And I think at that time in my life, I'm trying to get into like early 20s-year-old brain Melissa and it just – we had you and I, you like we both had gone to Costa Rica and Thailand. That was like our graduation trip together. Yeah. And just something about 
those types of trips where you feel like limitless. Like you're just like, wow, I really am so small in this Mm -hmm. world. And there's like this, just this greater world out there and just so much for me to experience and learn. I couldn't shake it off after we went. And so getting a job and just being in Raleigh, North Carolina (laughs) felt, (laughs) it didn't feel, it didn't sit right and it didn't feel right to me. So it was a moment for me to be like, okay, not into it. What can I do now that isn't necessarily postponing my life, but like adding, continuing to add value to it so that when I do get a job, like I know that that's actually what I want to do. Cause I still struggled with that. Like I Mm -hmm. graduated and I'm like, yo, what do I even do? (laughs) Yeah. What is a salary anyway? And do I even want it? And that's just so much pressure to have in your, in your twenties. And I mean, still in your thirties too. It's a lot of pressure. And I wasn't, I wasn't ready. That's what prompted me. I like how you describe that feeling of limitlessness because I think – I've never heard it described that way, but I think that's such an accurate description of that feeling because for me, every time I have lived abroad and um, just for my quick backstory – I have studied abroad in London um, more than once. I did a semester abroad my junior year, so I was there for half a year. I returned to London two years later and worked for a summer. I did an internship through another program with my grad school, so I was over there for three months. Um, I think I mentioned I lived in Korea for three months last year, and now that I'm remote, I have a little more flexibility. I'm currently living in Spain for a month. Um, So I have lived abroad in different different lengths of time for different reasons. And every time I am sort of out of my element in that way, it does create this feeling of I am so small in the mm. world, but I'm also so connected. And that does make mm. me feel limitless in a way that I can be on the other side of the world, or I can be in a community of people who aren't speaking my language, but I... I can still figure it out and make friends and not just survive, but thrive and do really well. And I think being able to overcome those obstacles or just, you know, put yourself in unfamiliar situations and know that if sink or swim, I was able to swim. I think that does create this nice feeling of limitlessness that is almost like a high, like you want to chase that feeling of, oh, I want to feel that way again. I want to feel strong and powerful and mm-hmm. not p- powerful is maybe like a big word, <laughs> but like I'm in control now because a lot of things are out of your control when you're living somewhere else. But mm. it is it is a nice feeling. I also, I'm someone who likes to push myself to get out of my comfort zone. I think the first time I did it, my junior year of high of college, I think I'd mentioned this before, like I was enjoying my college experience, but it just felt very familiar. Like I wasn't Mm -hmm. feeling, I mean, there were new things, like there were new parties, there were new people, but I didn't feel like these were the best years of my life, the way that every sort of teen movie told me it was supposed to be. Mm, Good point. Yeah. I was like, let me do something that's really going to shake myself up. Let me go live in another country, you know. And again, it was through a program. So there was way more structure than if you just have to figure out housing, banking, all of those things on your own. Like certain programs 
make it easier. And we can talk about some of those avenues Mm -hmm. to live abroad later. But it was like, I wanted that feeling of let me get out of my comfort zone and then get through it. And that that's a good feeling to be like, I was uncomfortable and I was able to figure it out. And that, that feels nice. Yeah. I, I wish I knew what, cause I feel like part of me now it being almost like a decade since I lived abroad. And I don't think I share this for context. When I lived abroad, it was um, in my early twenties, 20, actually on the plane, I was turning 24. <laughs> Wait, your birthday was on the plane? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was turning cool. 24 while I was flying there and I lived in Madrid, Spain for about a year. I flew there September 2nd, my birthday, and then I ended up leaving about mid-August um so that I could make my dad's wedding in the Philippines. Um so almost a full <laughs> okay, year. Jet I know, up. right? Okay. <laughs> almost a full year. <laughs> that was I was the most broke of my life. But also um, in terms of like travel and exploration and curiosity and inspiration, I was the most fulfilled in those types of ways that year too. Mm. So yeah, so I, I ended up – I've completely lost my train of thought where I was going with that. But that's the context for Spain. Um, but I guess it's – it's oh, here. I got it. it. It's hard for me to go back to what my 23 slash 24-year-old brain was feeling. I know that – it was probably on brand for me to be extremely stressed out about the logistics of things and about the money and all of this, but mm-hmm. just, it, it just felt like something was tugging at me so hard and like it was just so loud. Whatever, yeah. whatever, something was just screaming at me of like, just go, get out of here and try it out. Um And it, you know, now that I'm looking at it, it was rooted somewhere because that wasn't the first time I went to Spain. Um, I went to Spain on a high school trip. Um, I know you didn't go to this one (laughs) because you didn't take Spanish, but it was, uh, uh, yeah, um, Miss Therrington. (laughs) I can't remember the names. And Senor Salazar, they were the, our professors and they planned a trip to Spain and we went to both Madrid and Barcelona. And so I was like 16, 17 years old maybe and traveled abroad. And I think that was the first time I might have traveled abroad without my parents. And I just felt this connection to this city, to both cities actually. Um, actually, I think I had a bigger connection to Madrid now that I'm thinking about it. And so something was just like pulling at me and I think has always been – in my brain and in my heart. And then now given another opportunity to go to Spain, I was like, there's, I don't know when I'm going to be able to do this again. So I got to do it now. It was like this sense of urgency and it was so loud. It's like screaming at you. How could you ignore it? Yeah. It's, it's something funny. You're now like triggering my memory. I actually also went to London (laughs) for the first time in high school, our high school was just sending kids abroad <laughs> left and right, apparently. But I Good went for to them. London. I'm so glad. Honestly, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I went to London with our th- with some theater kids. Like we had a theater trip, and so we went and we saw a bunch of plays on the West End, and also just like did a like UK trip to England. Um, and I think there was similar to you, like that loud voice that said, "I need to come back here and spend mm-hmm. a little more time." 
And when the timing was right, it just, it came back around. It's crazy how things come full circle. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't even think Spain was really on my brain until my cousin mentioned something. And then it just, it, uh, oh, it was like in the book we read about giving you butterflies, right? Like in the search. Bruce mentions like these butterflies. And for me, it's sort of like this seed that just gets planted and you're like, I, I can't shake it. How come mm-hmm. I cannot shake what this person just shared with me? And it just ke- keeps growing and growing and growing until it becomes, I don't know, it just becomes the one thing that you just have to accomplish and do now. Yeah. You mentioned a little bit um, like the logistics and like the <laughs> things to like plan. Yeah. How do you prepare for such a big shift, both practically and also mentally. And and I think also part of the reason we're talking about moving to another country is that I think this is a kind of piloting that many people have a fantasy about and just they don't take the leap because they feel like it's just so impossible and there's so many things to do. Mm-hmm. So we just wanted to talk about this as one of the ways since it's something that we've both piloted before. Mm-hmm. But what are some things that you've done to prepare for a big jump like that? Well, I'll go on this side of the spectrum (laughs) for the unprepared, I suppose. (laughs) I I guess context, you know, I I was younger. I didn't, like, I wasn't in a long-term relationship. I I didn't have, like, pets, for example. So I was a little bit more um, untethered than, let's say, like, my position in life now. And so the way that I would you know, pilot a move like this may be different now than it was back then. But, you know, looking back on it, definitely some lessons learned. Um, I I took the risk and I had some money saved up, but I, I definitely did not have as much money saved up. Um, and living abroad, not going to lie, put me in debt <laughs> <laughs> that I was definitely still paying off into my mid-20s. But to me, it was like worth it kind of debt, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think that was the biggest thing for me. And and it, a common thread for probably a lot of us and a common theme for me today, like money just continues to be this thing that I feel like can and does hold people back. Yeah. And I definitely was way more stressed out back then about it than I would like to admit um, but you know, I was in my mid twenties. I barely was really working. I worked at a camp job and <laughs> was not saving much. Um, and then, so to me, money was a, a, a harder thing to do, but I made it work and I'm still here. So it worked out and it's fine. And I think too, just understanding the visa and that country, like that's, yeah. That's tricky because nothing is the same from country to country. And at least for me, for Spain, uh, because I was going through a TEFL program, I was able to apply for a student visa. And I learned all this, though. I had a little in, though, because, you know, my cousin had gone through it. So I was able to ask her some questions. Um, But the program also helped, too. And so that's just like one avenue of being able to live abroad is is going and getting like a, a student visa. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I literally went to Spain. The first month was dedicated to 
like getting a certification, the TEFL certification. So I was going there to learn. Um, and then a lot of the jobs you get from that are under the table. <laughs> uh, so you don't have to like file taxes or anything like that. Um, so that's how they, they do it. But yeah, just understanding the visas and, you know, how long you're able to stay. Um, because I was going through a program, they did a lot of uh, consultation with me. So I definitely feel like I wasn't alone in that. And I, yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice is um, like, like looking at your network and seeing and talking to people who have, have experienced this before and mm-hmm. getting their hot take on it. Um, I don't think – I mean, social was a little – yeah, I mean, social was around. <laughs> I sound like a dinosaur here, but social was around when um, – <laughs> There's an old lady. <laughs> when I lived abroad. <laughs> it wasn't as, quote, intense – where yeah. I feel like now I use social as a research like Same. tool where you can find videos and all that stuff. I, I don't think it was quite as resourceful. Like it was more just like, here's what I ate. Here's what I did. Um, but te- a lot of people who do TEFL and actually there's a couple of people who came up on my feed who are doing it in Madrid. Um, oh. and they're, yeah, they're sharing a lot more about their experience now. So I think just connecting with other people who have done it before or who are in the same boat, I got lucky cause it was a cohort. And so we had like a Facebook group. I, yeah, we had a Facebook group and able to ask questions about who was traveling where and, and all that stuff. So, um, there was a whole community involved. Yeah. I think if you're going through a program, whether it's like, a TEFL, Teach English as a Foreign Language program, a collegiate program, like you're getting your mm. graduate degree or bachelor's degree in another country, or you know, some large corporations here will allow you to work at their satellite offices in other countries. Usually if you're going through some of those programs, they will have a little more handholding with the visa stuff. So if that's something that I think intimidates you, you should look into something like that, because they mm-hmm. do help. I know for me, when I obviously when I went through school programs, they they had a timeline, they just said, give me this thing by this date, and we'll run with it. And that was helpful. When I was going abroad last year to Korea, because I was going technically on a tourist visa, I didn't have to go through the same hoops that if I was going if I was just going to go live there for a year or two. Um because I know my friends who over there who are who are teaching English, they were like, oh, they helped us also find housing and provide these things. Whereas mm. on your own, like I – it was a tourist visa, so it was much easier. But I had to fill out all of those online forms and all of the COVID things myself. I had to find my own housing. I went through Airbnb because I was there for such a short period of time. Um, it just didn't make sense for me to like engage a realtor. But um, I think one of the things that's also important when you're thinking about – moving to another country or, or doing something like that where you're really going to be out of your element. And I've only just come around to this now, I would say in the last year, now that I've done it a couple of times, is that you have to accept that things will go wrong. <laughs> it's not a matter of if, mm. it's a matter of when. And that's a really scary thing <laughs> to think about because no one wants to feel like they haven't prepped for stuff or they haven't, you know, gotten their stuff together, but 
you're going to lose something. You're going to have some travel complication at some point. <laughs> you are going to get injured or sick and have to figure out something. Like you're, it, 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 are you it speaking from experience, happen. Renee? Every single time. Let me, <laughs> like, I have gone anywhere. Some, I mean, and I, I actually think I've been quite lucky with travel. Like I don't have a ton of travel hiccups, at least by my definition of hiccups. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I studied abroad in London for the first time, a bunch of us were going on a weekend trip to Wales. We all booked together. You just take a bus. Like it's that close. It's on the same like island. Mm -hmm. And we all booked together. Everything was great. Day of the travel. Why did Renee have a completely different bus booked? Stop. (laughs) different company, different time. No. I mean, I, even though we'd done it together, like I just literally <laughs> missed the bus. <laughs> so everyone else was going oh ahead. And I, God. I had to then like figure out, I still went on the trip, but I had to figure it out on my own. I think I was like, was I 19? No, I was 20, which is for me still felt very young at the time based yeah. on like things that I had done on my own in like my own country. And so I had to like figure out transportation by myself and then like how to get to the hostel on my own and like meet up with people. Because I think those are the days when we still had like calling cards. And, like, oh my gosh. Plans weren't right. like international the way they are now, but like things are going to happen. And I think that's, I think that's probably one of the hardest things to get used to is that mm-hmm. everything will not be in your control. Like, you mentioned social media. I have used that a lot. Like when I was going to Korea, I knew nothing about the country. I, like I, I said, I was not someone who was deep into like K dramas. I had not, I think I saw Squid Game and that was really <laughs> it, uh, which did not really give an accurate picture of day to day life <laughs> over there. And, um, you know, I'd listened to some. K-pop music, but I I was not immersed in the culture whatsoever. And so I relied really heavily on regular people, YouTubers, Mm -hmm. on their experiences to hear the good, the bad, the ugly, people with millions of followers, people where the videos literally had 65 views. I mean, if you had made a video Mm -hmm. about this city, about Seoul, chances are I watched it because I was just like, I know nothing. (laughs) I don't know what I'm getting myself into. So I think do your own version of research, Mm -hmm. whether that's social media, I think reaching out to friends. I didn't know anyone really who had lived over there. I mean, I had some Korean friends, but like they were kind of like, oh, we moved to America for a reason. (laughs) It's like, okay, that's not helpful. (laughs) So cool. (laughs) And I was just like figuring things out on my own, but I yeah, I think do do the prep that you can, but try to get try to get used to the idea that something will go wrong. You will forget something at some point. You will have missed a step. Mm-hmm. Like you can't plan for everything. Like there is going to be some chaos at some point and and I think those are the moments that help you like you said feel like limitless is that I got through it. I I figured it out. I Maybe I didn't do it with the most finesse and polish, but I did it. (laughs) And that's what counts. (laughs) Yes. Embracing the chaos. I definitely ran into a lot of stuff. And the the wonderful and – there's another word for it. I can't think about it. But things just surface when Uh you travel. 
Like emotions are heightened yeah. in, in a good way and in a way like you um, – if you're you're dealing with stuff, uh, moving to Spain isn't going to solve everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. If anything, it's going to heighten something that you may be dealing with and make you confront it. And so, you know, I think for – you know, when I look back on my experience in Spain too, I – it was it was actually extremely chaotic, and even though it was probably one of the most, uh, yeah, I would say best. Like it was like one of the best years, like I, you know, of travel that I, I ever got to experience. Like it obviously wasn't perfect, right? Like I was still a twenty four year old going through stuff. Mm-hmm. I was going through a lot of, um like relationship things where I had to like heal and find myself. And I like, I have very distinctive memories of me walking around in Spain, like in Madrid crying because, and it wasn't like being homesick. I mean, I definitely, there was definitely moments of being homesick. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was just like, I, even though I was, having this wonderful time experiencing these new people eating food i i never have experienced before you know drinking a lot of cafe con leches and like you know all this stuff that was happening to me there were still things that i had to confront and so i don't know it 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 was a very like pivotal year for me mm. so not i mean it was best in the way of not everything happened. It was perfect. And I had this like, you know, romanticized one year living abroad. But what you what you mentioned, like there was a lot of chaos within that. Like uh, my phone got stolen, right? Oh. And my family visited me over the summer and we were in Nice, France, which if you know Nice, it's spelled like the Amer- English version of nice, N-I-C-E. And it was a not-so-nice experience because that's where my passport got stolen. You know, oh and like gosh, all yeah. these things and having, you know, like just having to live with people. Like I, I had roommates. I had three roommates. And all the stuff that surfaced with that of living people that you just met. And you know what I mean? And and um walking around and not even though i i knew spanish and i was comfortable ish with spanish i wasn't fluent and the the issues that arise with that um and i'm you know not going to lie to as a filipino in spain like there are a lot of moments that i remember that weren't so pleasant uh borderline racist <laughs> we, can, mm. we can call it what it is yeah um, you know, and and there's a lot of moments where like a lot of that surfaced and you just sort of have to deal with it. But then I would rather experience that stuff and go through that again and again and again versus feeling like I didn't try, you know? Yeah. I think I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said like moving to another country is not gonna solve your problems. Because I think there is a little bit of that fantasy in the back of your mind or that hope, maybe not even fantasy, maybe you're just hoping that whatever you're trying to figure out at home that you haven't clicked or, you know, figured out will just align. 
and sometimes pieces of it do. I think I think part of that comes from the time alone of like being, I'm not surrounded by my immediate social network or you know, my the people who've known me forever. I might make great friends, but they're still new friends, even though new mm. friends can go deep, of course. Um, and it is heightened emotions. Like I, I remember my first night when I studied abroad in London, my junior year. And this is a country that spoke English, but I didn't know anyone in my program. And that's what I want. I chose Mm. it because I wanted to be like complete strangers figuring this out. And I remember that first night I, when I went to sleep, I just, tears were just running down my face. Cause I was like, I was excited to be there. And I felt pretty immediately as soon as I touched down at Heathrow, I was like, Oh, I think I'm going to love London. Like my body just knew that it would work, Mm -hmm. but I was still like, I'm here and I don't know anyone. And we were living in our our dorm apartment flat situation was eight women in a flat with two bathrooms. One of the bathrooms didn't quite work. And so it was like all of us sharing one bathroom. There was one woman who we lived with who would take Skype calls with her boyfriend in the bathroom. And we were like, you can't, like, you cannot do that in here. <laughs> like there's seven other <laughs> people who need to shower, use the toilet. Like, and you know what I mean? There is just like a lot of that to figure out. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm loving the people that I'm meeting. Like I, I was lucky that I, I made friends, but you're still like, oh, I wish, you know, you don't have to like start over. Like you just want people to get it. And I, I have some great friends from, those experiences, some people who are still my close friends today. Um, But yeah, emotions do just run high and you do just have to figure stuff out. Like my first night in Korea, I took myself out to dinner um, because I was just like, it's my first night. I'm not going to eat in the hotel. I'm going to just like throw myself in. I was in this restaurant. Everyone around me was like groups of friends or couples. Like eating alone is not really common over there, like shared meals are a big part of the culture. And I had to like take photos of the menu and use my translator app because like nothing was in English. And I remember just sitting there eating and thinking, like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> and it, like, it wasn't sad or like fear. It was just this real like question of like, what are you doing? <laughs> Like, did I really just come here with no plan, no people, just like, we'll see what happens. And yeah, I think sometimes it's helpful to, I know you say this a lot, like grow through it. Like sometimes you do have to go through some of these difficult or at least just different emotions that you Mm -hmm. don't confront every single day to, you know, get on the other side and, and be better. But it is it can be uncomfortable while you're going through it or just, it's just really surprising. You just don't know what's going to come up. And sometimes you will get answers to questions that you weren't even asking. Like I will learn that I came here because I wanted to figure out if this is the city I should live in, or Mm -hmm. if this is what I should be doing with my job, or if this situation with this guy is right. And then you come out of it being like, listen, those were all the wrong questions. I have whole new things that I'm thinking about now. Yeah. Like I wasn't even thinking that weren't on my mind. So it is, it heightened emotions is, is the right way to put it. You, everything just feels so intense. And that's part of what's beautiful about it too, though. Uh, Yeah. And you know, (laughs) a lot of 
so much discomfort. So yeah. much discomfort. Even in just like finding connections with people, finding connections with yourself, the little things that you quote, like take for granted of like walking into a restaurant and just being able to read the menu and, or just ordering food and not having a server be so impatient of like, you don't speak Spanish. (laughs) Like, yeah, you know, like, you know, so many moments of that, that I like look back and I can't even remember them all. I, there's, so many moments where you're trying to figure out the metro or uh-huh. finding out long-term living in another country, you know? And yeah, like I, there were so many things that I feel like I just – how I was forced to make decisions and how beautiful of a thing to be able to do that young, um, mm-hmm. at least when I look back on it. Because now I look back on it and I'm like, wow, I was – so brave. <laughs> like I pat yeah. myself on my back for a little bit, right? Of like, wow, I can't believe, you know, little 23, 24-year-old Melissa was able to be so decisive and strong and courageous when it came to, you know, I think very like adult decisions with, with certain things. Um, and I didn't have, you know, I, I couldn't just call my parents on a whim and ask for their opinion. I just sort of had to trust my gut and use my head and be smart. And then in the moments of not being smart, uh, learn from that and being like, yep, not going to get fooled like that again. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine and I'm curious how much, you know, like I kind of sometimes wish my life was like a movie and you can like go back or like rewrite oh. the script for a second and be like, what would it be like if I didn't live in Spain? Like what would my – what would the trajectory of my life have been if I didn't experience that? You know? And there was a lot of moments yeah. of like while I was there, like am I trying to escape something? Am I trying to like postpone being an adult and, you know – I'm sure you can like relate to this. We we all could at that age. There was a lot of um, people during that time, a lot of friends of mine who were like getting married or in re- really serious relationships and, you know, settling down and like buying houses. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Am I like – The beautiful thing about being in New York is that everyone you know is not buying a house. <laughs> Have you seen that? Have you seen that video on tangent real quick? I've seen that video on Instagram that's like like maybe it was like overheard in New York or something of like a 30-year-old man in let's say like North Carolina is very different from a 31-year-old man in New York. For like a, sure. Like the 31-year-old man in in North Carolina has two kids and a mortgage and like something, something. And then the 31 year old man in New York is learning how to cook a, a chicken. I'll have to find it. Cause they could just get an apartment that had like a stove. <laughs> they, they just made enough money to get there because like the housing market is insane. Yeah. No, but if I'm being totally different, well, speaking of Spain and then speaking of men, um, what I learned while I was there, talk about like opening up your eyes to, you know, and learning about new cultures is it's actually very common for a lot of multi-generational homes. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. common in my culture as well. Same. Um, and a lot of the 
a lot of folks in Spain don't get married young, or at least in Madrid anyways. So I was, you know, in more of like a city, but uh, it was not very common for uh, folks to get married up until their like early thirties. Fun fact. Um, Anyway. The culture piece is interesting. Um, And I like that you mentioned that because I think that's another layer of when people talk about how to make friends abroad, like, do you, mm. you know, like ask friends of friends, do you know anyone who's going to be in this city that I'm in? Or I, you know, use Bumble BFF. That's what I used um, when I was in Korea recently and it was very successful for me or just putting yourself out there. But I think sometimes people forget that the ways that you even connect with friends in your home country might be different in the place that you're going to. And so sometimes it's not enough to just say, put yourself out there, be friendly, try. Like sometimes you can do all of those things, but based on the culture, it's just, it's harder to crack. Um, So what, like, what for you have been some of the ways that you've kind of acclimated to a, Mm. a radically different culture? You know, this is truthfully, I did not do enough of that. And I walked away. I made some really great friends in Spain, by the way. Like I was also in like a cohort of folks who were getting their TEFL certification. So if I'm being honest, that's probably an area where I didn't stretch enough and I mm. didn't make local friends. Um, and so looking back on it, like I wish – I mean I loved all the friends that I made there. And we all just sort of got really comfortable with one another. And so even though those those people who I call still really good friends to this day, I did not do enough of the connecting and the stretching to, you know, finding more community, like local communities. Um, But I do know that a lot of my – like a lot of people in my program, um, they were a lot more – intentional about it. And I have so much respect for them doing so. Like they just, they attended a lot of these like local events where you're able, just a lot of local events in general. And then specifically a lot of uh, events about um, like ha- like meeting people and having, I forgot what they're called, but it's like an English and Spanish speaker, like these kind of like oh, native language exchange. Yeah. Language. Thank you. Language ex- exchange um, events. And so they ended up making a lot of like local friends. And then, you know, those friends would introduce them to their friends and they, they had a much larger circle than, mm-hmm. to be honest, my comfortable bubble. Um, and then a lo- I know a lot of people, um, who are in Spain who dated. <laughs> dating, yeah. Dating in a, dating in a foreign country and a different culture is interesting. I think it's fun. Um, <laughs> I think it's enjoyable, but there are things you do have to get used to. I guess going back to just generally like making connections, romantic or otherwise, mm-hmm. um, how much do you think of that is limited by language? Because I, when I was in London, obviously it was just English. Like there are cultural differences for sure, but we were all speaking the same language. Um, Korea, and now that I'm in Spain, like it's a much sharper, like very different language on top of culture. And so I found when I was in Asia, for example, people were quite friendly, but because I didn't speak Korean, Mm. it naturally limited the people that I could meet. 
and the Koreans that I did meet and have a great time with who spoke English fluently often, not always, there were some people who just, you know, studied English in school and wanted to be better at it. But a lot of the women who I would say like, oh, we had dinner several times, we went out, we did tons of stuff together. Those Korean women were quite westernized, mm. you know? And so I feel like I, I feel like in that instance, like the, the lack of knowing the language was a barrier. And that was a barrier on my end in that like, I couldn't even give some of these communities a chance because sometimes I'd meet people out who are like, oh, we want to hang out. But then like the relationship can only mm. go so far if I don't know your language and you don't know mine. Like there's only so much you can really do yeah, just through apps and like pantomiming that I feel like in Europe, it's, it's Europe, I mean, you know, people speak many different languages, but English is a little more, being an English speaker also is just like, I think it's a bit of a crutch for all of us who have English as your native language. It is a crutch. You don't mm -hmm. have to try as hard as other people. And that's something you have to actively work to overcome. Mm -hmm. But I think like being abroad, I was like, oh, I was making like the Korean friends I made like knew English quite well and were quite westernized. But I was like, I don't think even in my like conversations or spending time with them that I fully was able to get what life was as like a woman or a man in that age, because mm -hmm. like those people I couldn't speak to, not because there was any, I think, barrier or hatred or anything. It was just, I, I couldn't go out with you. If you said, Hey, come hang out with me and my friends. Like I couldn't do that. <laughs> like <laughs> I can only hang out with you. If all of your friends don't speak English, like I can't be a part of those social gatherings because I just wouldn't be able to integrate. So I think travel has also made me really realize like, oh, learning another language really shouldn't be optional. Like you should, yeah. I, I don't, I don't really care what language it is. If you want to learn Afrikaans, do it. <laughs> I don't care like how much often it's spoken in the world, but it is, it does like hold you back from some of those connections. If you're, yeah. if they're doing there. Yeah. And you know, uh, I wish I, would have stretched myself more in that in those terms because of that comfort level. I probably could have, I probably could have been fluent in Spanish if I uh, spent more time connecting and, and building some like local communities. But even if I think about it too, like I, I taught English in a school, um, and it was hard though because like as a it was a slightly different because as a TEFL teacher or as a TEFL instructor, I suppose, um, my students couldn't know that I spoke Spanish. And so, I mean, mm. I mean, these students are young. Like I was teaching like five-year-olds, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, and tenth grade equivalent. Um, and then I taught some of the professors as well, but none of them were able and like we weren't, they weren't allowed to speak to us in Spanish because they wanted all of their students to have they wanted a native speaker because of just hearing, you know, hearing your voices, what the slang is, what what's the cadence. Like there's a that certain – immersion of like you, we all have to speak English for this whole hour or exactly. however long the class is. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so I just – that part in itself like quote, I guess, limited, limited me to only interacting with English-speaking folks. And even when I did meet people who were not from America or spoke English as their first language, um, they were expats. Uh, so expats um, defined as, a f I guess, a foreigner who is moving to 
a country and uh, <laughs> is living there. Um, so we were defined as expats. Uh, so even though I was making other friends outside of the people in my program, it was with other expats. And so, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I remember uh, one gal who she shot in the same school as me. Um, English was not her first language, but she was German. Um, and so naturally she was like fluent in like five languages. I had a, I know I was going to say, I had a good friend in Korea who I still talk to like every week who's German. And again, because she spoke English. So like if she, she spoke didn't, yeah. I would have missed out on that great friendship that yeah. I have. And she literally was like fluent in Spanish and like all these other languages. And I'm like, wow, I need to be a better person. <laughs> Our school system help us. <laughs> Seriously. And you know. Uh, and, and what's not, I'm not, uh, I mean, I'm embarrassed by it, but it's not embarrassing. Um, but I definitely know more Spanish than I know, you know, quote my native tongue, which is Tagalog. Mm. Um, and that's always like saddened me. So it's, I, I'm working on, I'm working on my Tagalog. Oh, anyway. special. Languages. Yeah. It, it's. It can be a barrier, but there's, I don't know, there's also so many other ways to connect to like through food and, you know, and I'm here too. I'm here to hear some recommendations for folks who've lived abroad and have found their way into a community and what has worked for them. Um, You know, as much as social media can be a can be a huge disruptor and is is uh, borderline dangerous at times. What I do love about it is more of these like micro communities that get built on social, um, like these Facebook. I know Facebook groups was like huge, huge, huge back. It when, still is. Yeah, it still is. Yeah, all of these micro communities of of people who are willing to connect and yeah. I mean, shout out to all the people who are just so open and and friendly and. And recognize like people who are trying to expand their world and expand their palette and, and lend a helping hand. And um, it's for people – it's people like that who make traveling so much easier. Yeah. I think community also means different things. If I can find this article, I will drop it in. But I, I read an article not too long ago that said that Obviously, we have a loneliness epidemic that's happening. Mm. Maybe it's a loneliness pandemic where people just aren't feeling as connected as they usually do. And the article, like the researchers are saying that one of the things that helps people feel connected is not only deep friends where you can talk about your hopes, your fears, your divorce, death, you know, like those like bone close friends, but even these surface interactions, like having someone that you see regularly at the coffee shop, Mm. like the bodega guy, like those brief interactions that might not go deep into here's my story. Here, who's your family? Like those, those interactions also help build a sense of community. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you're living abroad too, like I wouldn't write it off as a failure if you don't come away with this is my new best friend who I talk about everything with. I think it's great Mm. if you get that. And with time, you probably will find some of those people. It's just different people, different personalities. Like it just takes, you can't put a time limit on when that's going to happen for you. But I think even 
those small, like you said, like micro connections even make a huge difference. Like for me, whenever I'm living somewhere new now, I try to have like one or two places that I'm a regular at that I go to often enough that people know me and I know them. I might not know. Sometimes I don't know their names or their life story. Do they have children? Are they in school? Their likes, dislikes, but being able to like When you're in a foreign country, being able to walk into a space, whether it's a coffee shop, a bar, a supermarket, and see someone who's like, hey, it's you. Even if you don't know my name, like that still creates a moment of I'm not alone. Oh, they know me. Like that that person like acknowledges me and like they see me not just as a stranger, but as someone they recognize. And I think don't discount those small things because I think those also Mm -hmm. help with the loneliness and like getting finding a community, like while you do the work to find some of those people you can share more deeply with, like don't write off like the small, the small, oh yeah, that coffee shop guy I see him every day. That's a, that's a connection. That woman at the store where you buy flowers once a week, that's, that's a friend. It doesn't have, might be a different definition or a different circle of friendship, but she's someone, you know, and I think those little things are important too if you're if you're struggling in somewhere new to to build build that community. You just surfaced uh so many core memories for me when I was living when I was living abroad. Um like for example, one of them was like you said being a regular at a place across the street, it was a very small street. Um of our of our of, of my apart- apartment in Madrid. Um, was this like random restaurant bar and they just had this special where you, it, you basically, you got like this really, really juicy piece of like rotisserie chicken oh. and you, they always served it. It was like, it was like a half chicken. They always served it with fries and, uh, roasted green peppers. And my roommates and I like just loved it. Like, I don't know if that's a particularly Spanish meal, but it was just something that they had. Like they always had a special on it and it was like six euros. It was, it was very inexpensive. Um, and for someone living on a Tefl budget, I was like, perfect. Cause this meal could be split into two. And yeah, I, I can like see, I can see the guy behind the bar. Who like oh, yeah. served it to us, you know? And then, or like this coffee shop that I would go to every Wednesday before I taught these three boys, gave me a run for my money. But before <laughs> I would teach them, quote, teach them is strong. It was more babysit. There were like two five year old boys and a three year old, and the parents just wanted me to talk to them, <laughs> like scold them in English. <laughs> Like Mario, stop! Like they're probably like, who is this woman? They, ooh, they're twin boys. They gave me the run for my money. Um, but before teaching, I would spend an hour and a half at this uh, cafe down the road from where they lived. Um, and yeah, I can like see the woman right now, like serving, like who who I'm assuming owned owned the cafe and saw her every Wednesday for like. Oh my gosh, like almost eight months, you know, yeah. like eight, nine, maybe nine months. I think is how long I taught them. Um, so yeah, that just unlocked some, some core memories. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, cause I think the homesickness can be real. 
the struggling to make friends or even a friend, just having someone locally that you can share with. It's just different for different mm-hmm. people. I, I've been really fortunate that I've been able to make friends um, when I have lived abroad, but I know for some people it, it takes a little more time that I think, you know, just, just don't forget those people like that counts, you know, mm-hmm. like you're, you're built, you're building that community and, you know, people are seeing you, even if they're not speaking to you, like they see you and they're like, Oh, I know her or I, I recognize him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's something, you know, uh, now I want to live abroad again. Eric and Frank, they're, they're, they're coming with me somewhere. Where are we? Where are we <laughs> moving folks? There's just like this, this opening that just happens when you, when you do it. And, you know, I hope everyone gets the, gets the opportunity to live abroad, even just for a little bit or just, you know, like it, it, it truly does something to you. And it's so hard for me to put it, put it in like a, in a poetic way or put it in like really strong words. But, um, I mean, people are addicted to traveling and living abroad for a reason and whether it's the chase that you mentioned earlier or it just fulfills and like fuels something. Um, yeah, it, it does something to the heartstrings and now I've, I've got the itch again. Yeah. I th- it just, it helps you. It helps you grow. Even if you end up going somewhere that doesn't mm. work out. Like if you're like, I don't like this place. I don't want to live here anymore. Cause I, I know people like that who've done these excursions and it, it hasn't worked out or they've said, I have no desire to go back to that place. Like mm-hmm. I'm done. It's still, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say they regretted it either. Mm-hmm. You know, barring maybe if something like really traumatic happened to you, obviously that's different, but people who just like, Oh, I didn't like it. Or like, I didn't, click with the people or the culture or whatever, it didn't work out. I think I I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say, I wish I never did it. There's yeah. still this sense of I won't do it, I won't do that specific experience again, or maybe that didn't quite work out the way I had hoped or fantasized that it would, but I did it and I learned from it. And I yeah, I don't know that I've heard anyone regret it. Yeah, even that's if my, you don't that's love my it. niece experience niece France experience. <laughs> don't regret it <laughs> uh, because what ended up happening is I had to go to Marseille, France to go to the embassy. So fun fact, hot tip, hot take. <laughs> if your passport, if your American passport gets stolen in Nice, France, um, that embassy, you you can't go to that embassy. You have to go to the embassy in Marseille, which you have to travel by train to get there about like two hours. Um, and don't go when France is celebrating um, – oh, my gosh. It just totally slipped my mind. Their Independence Bastille Day. Bastille Day. Bastille Day. Thank you. Yeah. Like the band, Bastille. Okay. Um, <laughs> so around this time, actually, in like 10 days, will be Bastille yeah, Day July. in France. <laughs> <laughs> because the embassy will also be closed. Um, but anyway, uh, go to Marseille, France to get your passport. And Marseille ended up being – like a beautiful place. Like I'm actually really glad that I went. So everything cost me happens a passport. for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And now I'm a much smarter traveler because of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, things happen, you know? <laughs> um, 
I guess to wrap this up, I don't know if, do we want to end on a question that is really deep and thoughtful or one that's like fun oh. and light? Oh my gosh, the pressure, Renee. I like deep and thoughtful. I'm feeling very introspective today. How about you? That works for me. I love it. Um, why don't we end on what, like, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned mm. about yourself from living abroad? Mm. Um, the first thing that popped into my mind was patience and honestly, how impatient of a person that I can be, um, mm-hmm. impatient with myself, impatient with systems, impatient with family and people close to me. And it's actually something that I s- still work on. I get, or especially in my younger twenties, I would get extremely frustrated when something didn't quite go as planned. And mm-hmm. like you mentioned earlier, it ain't going to go. It ain't going to go as planned. Okay? 99 things can go right and you'll think we got it. So much. There'll be one. And like so many memories of just like me, like look, like seeing myself like 10,000 from a 10,000 foot view of like, you know, my, like two of my friends having a, like just, they're, they're, they were just, they're just so easygoing. And I wish I was more easygoing back then. And how like frustrated I was at them because I'm like, we are going to miss this train to Budapest. (laughs) (laughs) Being neurotic. Um, And so I learned very quickly, like, you're – that's not a fun person to be when you're traveling. Like, yes, be organized. (laughs) Like, yes, be, you know, this. But um, patience, girl, enjoy enjoy the show. Enjoy the ride. Um, that was probably the the biggest thing for me was that and just learning how to be alone, right? Like yeah. I was never – I mean I'm sure there were times where I was lonely during that year. But just being able to – I don't – yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you learn where you're just trying to fi- – when you're trying to figure out things out on your own and that's really special. Um, and, you know, I – not that I crave those times per se, but I just look back on those fondly of, of me being able to, yeah, get to know myself better and, and, and be alone and, and deal with my stuff. And yeah, just that curiosity. And um, I'm glad I sparked, you know, I sparked that curiosity and fulfilled it. I love that. Both of yours really resonate with me, especially the learning to be alone. I, I used to be someone who, if I was on a group trip, and everyone wanted to do activity A, but I wanted to do activity B. I just wouldn't do it because I couldn't like break mm. away from the group and like do something on my own. Even if people were like, no, Renee, that's fine. Like, we're not going to feel any way about it. I just didn't think I could do it. But um, yeah, traveling alone has made me comfortable. And also just knowing what things I want to do alone and what things I don't, you mm. know, mm-hmm. like eating meals alone, that's fine. I'm not really like a nightclubber by myself like that. I still prefer to have like a buddy. It's just more fun for me, but I'll sit in a cocktail bar by myself and like chat with the bartender or like other people there. Um, I'll do activities during the day by myself. Um, I think the biggest lesson for me with living in another country is probably like kindness. I think 
I have been really fortunate when things have gone wrong that I have benefited from the kindness of strangers. I've had people say, like when I lost my phone (laughs) in Korea and I like tried to call the helpline and I was like, I don't know anything these people are saying. A woman I didn't even know was like, I can call them if you just, if you give me the information, I'll like try and figure out if it's at the taxi, you know, hub, if like a driver dropped it off. And she kept calling them for a week until she got a hold of someone and like gave me the information. Then she's like, do you need me to pick it up? I was like, absolutely not. You've already done so much. Thank you. I, I, you know, when I've like lost a credit card, people have offered to like front me money and say, yeah, when you get your card, you know, fixed, you know, you can just Hmm. like Venmo me back or, you know, whatever. Like I've just, I've experienced so much kindness from people who understand that you're somewhere new. You, you don't know what's happening. They've kind of shown me grace when I have maybe done something Hmm. that's culturally inappropriate because I just don't know. And in, yeah. And instead of shooting me down and saying, oh, she's rude and inappropriate, have been kind enough to say, oh, you know, over here, we don't really do that. Or, you know, we typically do it yeah. this way in our country. And we are so quick to I, cancel now. Like, geez. We are. We are. Or just <laughs> to judge. And I'm, and I'm someone who can can have really quick, like, opinions or, like, reads on a situation be like oh I have a perspective like mm-hmm. I have an opinion and I think benefiting from people being kind to me when I've been out of my element has really helped helped slow help me slow that you know reaction to mm-hmm. to have an opinion or just allow me to reach out to people if I see people struggling to take a photo I'm like well, I'll take a photo for you like I've had mm-hmm. someone help me if you don't know how to work the subway machines and I'm not in a rush, I'll be like, do you know how, to, how this is working? Like, do you yeah. need to buy a ticket? Um, just those little things that you don't really notice in your day-to-day life at home, quote unquote. But when you're not at home, when you're somewhere else, mm-hmm. it really is amplified when someone someone reaches out in that way. It's, I think that's a big thing that I've, that I've learned to take a moment Aww. to be kind. I'm going to asterisk that one too. Um <laughs> I'm going to shut up about this passport in Nice. But the reason Trauma. why <laughs> – I have a whole 2015 blog about it, FYI. Anyway. Um, I would expect kind- nothing less. <laughs> the kindness thing – well, it's – the last thing about this damn story, and I'll shut up about it, is uh, there was – um I was, with, I was traveling with my mom and my younger sister, and we're all panicking. Like my patience is like zero. I'm like, oh my god. Like, you know, because I'm the one, you know, planning this whole trip and they're looking at me for leadership. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. My mom at the corner – no, no, not the corner of her ear. But she just hears something. Hey, she has horrible hearing. <laughs> uh, put your mom on blast. Put my mom on blast. But she heard someone speaking Tagalog. Everything's coming full circle. And there's this guy speaking Tagalog walking on the streets of Marseille, not not Marseille, on the streets of Nice. And my mom just runs up to him and it's like, do you speak, are you speaking Tagalog? And she starts speaking Tagalog. He's like, oh, I also speak English. So we're talking and talking. And he's the one who literally traveled with us to go get my passport picture, get everything ready for our trip to Marseille to go to the embassy. So shout out to that guy. I forgot his name, but shout out to you for – his kindness 
And so, uh, there's so many other kindness stories. Yeah. That I, that are just like surfacing so for me. And as I said it, I could great think reminder. so many more too. Yeah. It, just, you know, there's so much polarization in the world and people have so many opinions about other cultures and other countries, but when you actually do it yourself, you realize that like people aren't that different. And yeah, I believe people are good mm-hmm. ultimately and, and they want to help you. I do too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. hopefully we meet some kind people in Malaga. You yeah, already I have. Great, I know. I told you I met some great people today at the beach. You <laughs> already really have. Sweet. Yeah. Who are really sweet. Um, and for so the really most good. part, I, I just feel like there's like a certain kind of character or certain kind of traits that you have to be a cognitive and traveler, a conscious traveler. And we all like find each other on our journeys. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's some sort of thing, like a thread tying tying all these travelers, all these people in um in motion together. And yeah, I like to end on that now. That's beautiful, Renee. Thank you for sharing I love that. That of course. Um as Selena well, Gomez would say, kill him with kindness. <laughs> I kill love him. it. Kill him with kindness. Kill him with kindness. Um, well, besides your Filipino or man speaking Tagalog, I shouldn't assume he's Filipino. Um, he was. <laughs> in Nice, I, I, I kind of assume. Um, uh, who else are you giving a gold star to this oh, week? Oh, I know. I'm giving, thinking of all the folks in my travels to give a gold star to. Um, but this is related to traveling, not quite abroad though, but uh, just a gold star to the different ways that you can camp and glamp. Um, mm. So in the past two weeks, I have stayed I – th- I mentioned this earlier in an earlier episode, but I stayed in a getaway cabin. Um, and then I've stayed in a yurt. And then I've Ooh. stayed in an airstream. And then oh. I've stayed in a tent. So jealous. Like on the ground tent. On the <laughs> on the gravel tent, yes. Yeah. Um, and then speaking of traveling and things not going as planned, uh, another story that just happened literally last week was we pull up to our campsite at 8.30. They're like, yo, we don't have any power. Like I guess a storm rolled through Georgia. No power, no water. She's like, don't use the bathroom. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, all it was fine. There was a Walmart like ten minutes down the road, so we start setting up our tent, and there are no poles. Don't know where they went, so we had to go to Walmart and just buy a whole new tent. So another another test from the universe of testing Melissa's patience, exercising (laughs) that muscle. Um, but yeah, the back to the gold star. I just think it's just so fun to like stay in these. Places you would never imagine, more like non-traditional yeah. things, and you know, I th- I think um, it's just I want to stay in more. Like I know Airbnb on Airbnb, there's a bunch of different types of like places you can stay. Like you can stay in this like cave that was like built into the earth. And have you, you stayed in stay. a treehouse? I want to do not, a treehouse. Tr- not yet. That ooh yes. I want to stay in a treehouse next. Um, And then I'll share in the show notes the Airstream that we stayed in. It's a place called um, Ramsden Lake. And it's very close to Atlanta, actually. So if you want to experience food, like the the city life in Atlanta, 
food. Highly recommend in Atlanta. Um, I'll, I'll sh- share with you where we stayed in the Airstream um, because I think they have like seven, 11 sites and they had like safari tents, Airstreams, like really nice glamping, all air conditioned <laughs> for you that. glamping folks. Um, so I highly, highly, highly recommend. How's, how about your gold star? My gold star is to a UK company called Stowe, S-T-O-W. So Stowe or Stowe London, they make um, leather goods and Mm. travel accessories. Um, They're a little pricey. Don't kill me. But um, I treated myself uh, like a year ago or so to one of their – I think it's called like the first class travel case. So it is a travel case that just has like all the right compartments. It has a slot for my Kindle, my passport, my global entry card. It has little loops that I can put like USB cords for charging. There's a pocket for a portable power bank. It just organizes all of my like go-to travel things in like a very stylish, easy kit. Um, It's one of those things that I just kind of like my toiletry bag. I keep pre-packed with Mm. my passport and things in there so that whenever I'm going on a big trip, I can just grab my stove like travel case and I know that everything is there. I don't have to be like, oh, where's my passport? Wait, where's my Kindle? Do I have a portable charger? It's like those things are already there. Mm -hmm. All of your sort of like must-haves very neat, very stylish, very cute. Um, so shout out to Stowe. They also have bigger bags and other products. But for me, the travel accessories were what like really caught my eye. And I've been using it now for almost a year and okay. love it. Can't live without it. They have bigger ones too if you want to have one that fits a laptop or an iPad. But I, I got one of the smaller ones um, and, and it works well. I'm all for those organizers. Yeah, I'm going to need that link ASAP. <laughs> Oh, she'll be in the show notes for sure. <laughs> Is it a referral link? Do you get like $20 for referring friends? <laughs> we hey, love those. I, we I love those. <laughs> I don't know. Start my influencing career. <laughs> and um, what are you manifesting? Um, I am manifesting. It kind of fits a little bit with the theme of what we were talking about today, mm. um, especially towards the end. But my manifestation is a – it's two quotes, actually. One is from a poem, and then one's just another quote. But they have the same kind of feeling. So the first one is from Mary Oliver's poem, The World I Live In. I know I have spoken about Mary Oliver already. <laughs> I love her stuff. Only if there are angels in your head will you ever possibly see one. And my second mm. quote is from Roald Dahl, and it's, Those who don't believe in magic – will never find it. And I just, I guess what those two quotes were speaking to me this week is that I'm just manifesting to keep looking for angels and magic and just believing in that stuff. I I, I really mm. do think if you, if you believe that good things can happen, that your risks will pay off, that you will get through uncomfortable situations, I, I do believe in the power of positive thinking. And I know it's hard sometimes when things are really dark or just feel like they're really low. And I'm I'm just manifesting that everyone still keep angels in your head and and still believe in magic. Because if you do, like you will find it and you will see it and it 
it will show up in your life when you need it. So we're manifesting that kind of magic this week. I like that. So your your Malaga trip, it could be hashtag finding magic in Malaga. See, so I need like a friend in marketing. I didn't even (laughs) thought about hashtags. (laughs) And so I need you here. (laughs) Your expertise. And then mine will be hashtag Melissa in Malaga. As you told me – I, I yeah, have, <laughs> Emily in Paris, Melissa in Malaga. Melissa in Malaga. I did, on, I did use Melissa in Madrid, Madrid back in the day. So yeah, just switch it over to Malaga. I think it's perfect. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait for that content series. <laughs> um, okay, so mine, I again, I'm really bad with sourcing where I get these things from. I, I'm sure it was just like something I saw on like Pinterest, but um, – this quote is super short and it's remain comma or evolve. And I just love, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just love the, I like it. Dichotomy of that, right? Like two choices, you remain or you evolve. And I think especially now in my thirties where Bogged down is a strong word, but sure. You know, like, you know, bogged down of of this pressure to make a certain amount or have this job or to be at a certain place and things start to feel comfortable. I'm finding it a little harder and not hard, but just harder than it would have felt in my early 20s to continue to change and continue to evolve and just to like make a decision and just go for it. And so, yeah, I really like that quote for just this reminder of like, right, if you just keep doing what you're doing repeatedly, it becomes a habit. And if those Mm -hmm. habits aren't good habits, then oof, you're not evolving. Um, So yeah, Serena Williams mentioned, and she talks about evolution. We talked about this before too. Like she talks Mm -hmm. about, she's like, I'm not retiring. I am evolving. That was such a great retirement, like Lesha uh-huh. in Vogue. Oh my god, amazing! Um, so yeah, me too. I don't have to wait to retire to evolve and keep evolve evolve now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and speaking of habits, before we sign off, I know this. Oh <laughs> yes, been chatting for a while, but Melissa, you have yes. something to share about habits. I do, and that is drumroll: the announcement of our new book club book, which is Atomic Habits an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. This is written by James Clear, and uh, they define it as the most comprehensive guide on how to change your habits and get 1% better every day. And you all know we are all about evolving and getting better. Come full circle. Um, This book was released a a little bit ago, though. You know, not too bad, but October 2018. So I am, quote, a little late into the game to reading this, but um, I'm excited about it. It's highly, highly reviewed on Google, 95%. Goodreads, (laughs) 4.3. Love Goodreads. And Amazon, a rating of 4.8, all that out of five. Um, So yeah, we're excited to dig into this. Um, We plan on doing this book club episode, our third book club episode on August 2nd. Um, So just a little shy of a month to, to read this book. Um, and hope you all join us for the, another book club episode and really appreciate everyone who's reading along or just listening along and, and hope these books are 
change in your perspective the same way it's changing ours. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's a classic. Um, I thought it was a lot older. I didn't realize it was only 2018, but I haven't yeah. read it either. So, um, I so mean, that's still like a solid, like, oh God, quick math, five years ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but everyone talks about it like it's been around for 60 years. So, true. I, I'm, I'm really excited. Got my true, highlighter true. out. <laughs> <laughs> all, yeah, all the highlights, all the little like colored bookmark tabs. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, thank you again, Renee. I'm literally going to see you in person in a week. <laughs> I love that our first in-person record is not in America at all. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to record and seeing you and then recording next week and, and chatting with our community again. Yay. So thanks, guys, for joining us. Yeah. Adios. Hasta luego. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye.